Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. What's up, Project Church? Man, I'm so excited to be sharing today with you. It is a very special weekend. It is Father's Day weekend. So I want to say happy Father's Day to all the dads out there, to myself, uh, to my dad. And uh, man, today's going to be extra special, though, because I'm doing something uh, that I've never done before, and that is I'm going to preach with my grandfather. That's right. We're taking a little break from our Marked by Jesus series, and I'm going to preach with my grandfather. Now, I want you to understand my grandfather passed away eight years ago. Uh, He was a pastor in this city for a couple decades, um, a legend, uh, a hero in the faith, a hero of mine, someone that greatly influenced my life. And what's cool is even though he passed away eight years ago, we have some of his sermons online. And so I thought, man, what if I tag teamed with my grandfather on Father's Day? And so we're going to be jumping to some clips from a message he preached. And so um, I basically built this message with him uh, posthumously. And uh, I just am so excited to be sharing from God's Word with you today. So I want to talk to you uh, about the title of my message is See How Great. That's right. I want to talk to you about greatness, about being great. And one thing that I have realized and recognized in my life and looking at this culture is that a lot of people like want to be great. We want to be great. In fact, we celebrate the goats, right? The greatest of all time. There was a conversation going on not that long ago, like, is Michael Jordan truly the GOAT? Yes, of course he is. Uh, If you watched the documentary, The Last Dance, you know it to be true. Uh, But there's a conversation, right? Is it LeBron? Is it Jordan? Is it Kobe? Is it Jordan? Um, You know, these, these conversations about the greatest. And I think we all recognize that there's this desire in us to be great. And I believe that that desire is from God, that God wants us to be great. He truly wants you and I to be great. So I want to read from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, See how great, that's the title of my message, see how great, see how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. See how great. And I love that this text is is perfect for us about seeing the greatness, but not just in ourselves, but seeing how great of a love there is from the Father. So let's tag team this Grandpa Cole, my grandfather, Reverend Glenn Cole. Here we go. I think one reason I was led to this thought was uh, realizing that there is so much on the media today about self-improvement. Get better. Nip and Tuck is a new program on television. Uh, On and on we get these books and programs about making yourself better and greater. Well, I want to say to you today, we've got this thing in reverse. We need to turn it around. The world is desperately in need of God's greatness to make us great. 
And if we do not recognize our need of him, the end is going to be extremely destructive. And I went to the dictionary and I went to the Bible to check out this word great. The dictionary says more than usual, much, most important, main, chief. The synonym is immense, enormous, all fitting the God that I know, the God of this book, the Bible. There are many, many passages in Scripture that speak to his greatness. Let me just cite a few for you. First Chronicles 16.25 says, For the Lord is great. Psalm 92.5 says, Great are your works. Psalm 104.1 reads, My God, you are very great. Lamentations 3.23 says, Great is your faithfulness. Titus 2.13 reads, The appearing of our great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. 1 John 3.20 reads, If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Revelation 20.11, John said, I saw a great white throne. <clears throat> On that throne was this great God. Ephesians 1.19 speaks of the greatness of his power. Matthew 6.13 teaches us to pray this way. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Matthew chapter 24 verse 30 reveals that the Son of Man is coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Listen, I believe in this culture, people want to make God less than he is supposed to be. And he is supposed to be the great one, the one we elevate as the goat, the greatest. Um, that's the God that we serve. But I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else from this message, I hope you get a lot out of it as me and my grandfather tag team this thing. But if you get nothing else, I want you to hear this. To see how great you can be, you must first acknowledge that Jesus is truly the only great one. Let me say that one more time. To see how great you can be, and we all want to be great. To see how great you can be, you must first acknowledge, we must first acknowledge, I must first acknowledge that Jesus is truly the only great one. You see, any greatness in us or that comes out of us is because the great one put that inside of us. It doesn't come from us, from our strength or ability. No, it all comes from him. He put the greatness in us. And so what I want to do today with my grandfather is I want to talk to you about the greatness of Jesus. You see, if we begin to understand the greatness of Jesus, then we can begin to draw out the greatness within us. A greatness that comes from him. So first, we must recognize the greatness of Jesus is from his kindness. That's right. He is a kind God. Lamentations 3.22 tells us, The Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease. 
for his compassion never fails. Psalm 1084 says, For your loving kindness is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the skies. I want you to think about this, about a God who bestows so much kindness upon us, so much kindness that he meets us right where we are. A God that is so kind. It says it never ceases, that his compassion never fails. And in this moment in our culture, in our society, I believe that we need to draw out the kindness. That's what makes us great, church, is the kindness within us. But that kindness comes from him. And we can tap into it by acknowledging how kind our God is, how compassionate, how patient, how empathetic our Savior is towards us. It says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. A mess, broken, and yet his kindness meets us. There's another scripture in the Old Testament that says, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It doesn't say the judgment of God. It doesn't say the righteousness of God. It, It doesn't say anything other than the kindness. Think about that. The kindness of God is what leads us to repentance. What a powerful statement. Our God is so kind, and we need to be a people, as God's people, that walk out kindness in this world. And it's unfortunate that in this moment, it feels like there are Christians who cannot find empathy or kindness in their heart. And I want to challenge you that you would begin to tap into and look at the kindness of Jesus, the kindness of your God, because when you do, you can't help but draw out the greatness of the kindness that he has planted inside of you. A little boy was making his way to the desk in his classroom when the teacher stopped him and said, you're late. He looked a bit tearful, but he responded, it was late when I left home. But why didn't you start earlier, the teacher asked. And he said, because it was too late to start early. Now, God is not that way. You can start with God anytime. Behold, now is the accepted time. Today, he said, is the day of salvation. I love that about the Lord. He'll pick us up whenever we respond to him. Doesn't matter if it's midnight or out in the desert or on a mountain or in a house of prayer like this. He is waiting and he is always ready because he knows the time. When you kill time, remember, it has no resurrection. You're never going to get it back again. It's gone forever. This moment will be gone forever only to be remembered in eternity. I love that statement that my grandfather just said, that you're never too late to come to God. It's never too late. And for somebody, you need to hear that because you think maybe it's too late for you. I was thinking about um, something I talked about last week, this idea of cancel culture, and that we we have this cancel culture going on around us right now where, you know, we, we go into someone's past and we find a chapter that we don't like and we bring that out and then... And we, we try to come down on them and condemn them and, and destroy them because of it. And I actually saw a tweet from a, a guy I follow. He's a rapper. His name's KBG. 
And he said this, cancel culture is not kingdom culture. We don't just applaud the righteous, we restore the fallen. And that was such a powerful statement to me because I think in this moment, it feels like we are lacking kindness and we're just continuing and continuing to applaud the righteous rather than restoring the fallen, restoring the broken. That is the kindness of God. He restores us in our moment of weakness, at our lowest point, on our worst day, God still loves us. God still died for us. That is the kindness of God. And he wants you to tap into that same kindness so you can be great in this world. Second today, the greatness of Jesus is his power. That's right. Jesus is so powerful. The powerful nature of God. Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 says this. And what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. That's right. The power of God was manifested through Jesus Christ coming to this earth and raising again from the dead. And then he he uh, elevated and arose and actually floated up to heaven um, alive and yet transformed before the disciples and before those that saw him as he went to heaven. Nahum 1.3 says this, The Lord is slow to anger and great in power, and the Lord will by no means leave the guilty unpunished. In whirlwind and storm is his way. Any clouds are the dust beneath his feet. You see, we have a powerful God, an all-powerful God. We have a, a God that is slow to anger, but that is a just God. And I think a lot of us are looking for justice in this world right now. And I want to encourage you that our just God will ultimately have justice, execute justice in this world. Does that mean we don't fight for it? No, we keep fighting for justice. But we have to recognize that the all-powerful God will bring about justice, either on this earth, in this life, or in the life to come for all of us. So I just want to encourage you, because I think a lot of us, man, we forget about the power of God, the power of Jesus. And here's what I found. When we begin to recognize and acknowledge and see the, the greatness of Jesus, the power of Jesus, when we remember the power of Jesus, we can then begin to recognize that same power lives in us. When I open up my mouth, that's when miracles can happen. When I step out into, into areas and places and spheres where injustice is happening, and I open up my mouth and I take action, that's when the power of God can be released. When I step in to a place of empathy and compassion and I speak out, listen, you have the power of Jesus inside of you, and he wants you carrying that power Everywhere you go, I think some of us aren't walking out the great Christian lives that God has called us to walk out because we've forgotten about how great the power of our Savior is. The same power that conquered the grave lives in you and lives in me. And when we begin to remember that, when we acknowledge that, then we walk in a different kind of power. you got to remember and focus on the power of Jesus so you can walk out the power of Jesus every single day in this world. And let me tell you, this world 
it needs power. And it doesn't need man's power. It doesn't need man's strength. It needs some heavenly kingdom authoritative power. Holy Spirit power. Remember Jesus' power because that power lives in you. My kids, you know, they, they think that their dad is so strong. And my son all the time, um, my oldest one will be like, Dad, how are you so strong? Now, y'all seen me like, I, got, I don't have a lot going on here, okay? I don't hit the gym that much. And yet to him, I am so powerful. And what's incredible is that some of us aren't acknowledging the powerful nature of our Savior, of our God, and he is the most powerful one. My son thinks I'm a beast, and I am not very powerful. And yet we serve a God who has all the power, and we forget or don't even acknowledge or don't walk believing that he has all the power to overcome every situation or circumstance we might face. So today, walk in the power, the great power of your Savior, Jesus. God is a miracle worker, and every one of us needs a few miracles along the way. You will need some in 2008, as I will. And God wants us to make him great in his mighty works and get away from depending on the government or depending on what we have laid aside, depending on what we have conjured up in our minds, rather than depending on him. He is great in his mighty works. And if you're going through difficulty today, the end of this year is not pleasant for you. God wanted you here to hear what I'm saying right now. God works through adversity to show himself mighty on our behalf. For a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. So with God, I'm only a week old. That's why I feel so great. Others tell me I'm older, but God's word is the final word. God knew what he was doing, and he knows what he's doing in your life. So relax and make God great in his mighty works. Out of your problem, he's able to bring something beautiful and monumental, if you will but trust him. I was reading about Paul in prison. He was in prison two years at a crack for nothing but preaching the gospel. You suppose he enjoyed that? I think he would have rather been out doing what he was used to doing. But while he was in prison, he witnessed to the guards. They changed guard every four hours. So he had a whole bunch of guys every day at his footstool to talk to, and he led many of them to Jesus. Well, what happened? Those guards went out and spread the news all over the known world until the New Testament indicates that through the witness started by the Apostle Paul, this message had covered the known world. Only God knew how to do that. I would never have been able to figure that out. But he worked to the adversity, as Paul would have seen it, as a means of perpetuating the love of Christ to people all over the world. So, 
As we look to 2008, you cannot see everything from the perspective of the problem. You need to begin looking at life from the perspective of God's mighty works. And Lord, what can you do and what will you do through this situation? What a powerful scripture and story. This idea that Paul in his imprisonment, a place he didn't want to be and wouldn't have wanted to be, that God used that moment as as soldiers cycled in and out and he ministered to them and watched them be saved and then they went out to all different posts and places and the soldiers of Rome actually played a part in spreading the gospel. I mean, I can't think of anything that exemplifies the power of God more than that. But finally today, I want to talk to you, me and my grandfather want to talk to you about the greatness of Jesus, which is exemplified through his love. That's right, love. It all comes down to love. Ephesians 2.4 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. This great mercy with which with he loved us, that is the God that we serve. Our Savior Jesus was a man of love. He walked and talked and carried love. My grandfather, actually, when he took over Capital Christian Center in the early 80s, at the time it was called Bethel Temple. He changed the name quickly and then they moved, and when they moved to the new location, he dubbed the church this, the church where love is. And I love that that was like something that my grandfather just carried forever. He would always talk about, my church, Cabot, this is the church where love is. Why, did he, why was he so emphatic on this idea of a church being loving? Because he understood that the, the greatest love of all time came from Jesus, and this was a church that would point all people to Jesus and, and, and show how much love Jesus had. And so that was something that was at the very core of who they were. I love this idea. We have to acknowledge his love. If you're going to walk out love in this world, if you're going to have the greatness of love pouring out of you towards your family, your friends, your coworkers, the people you come in contact with in the street every single day, You have to acknowledge and look at the love of your Savior because he showed us the greatest example of love of all time. I read this verse at the beginning, but I want to read it again. 1 John 3, 1 says this, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children. And so I know there's some of you out here, out there watching. You're watching behind a screen, an iPad, and a computer, television. And maybe right now you're thinking about this idea of being a child. And maybe Father's Day is a tough day for you because you didn't have a father. Well, this scripture is everything to make you great is that you acknowledge, that you see that there is a Father, a Heavenly Father, that loved you so much that He claimed you as His own. And so maybe you're out there and you didn't have a Father that loved you, or you had a Father that mistreated you, or you never had a Father. I wanted you to know today, 
I wanted you to see how great the love of our God is. A father that said, you can be my child. And some of you have been walking through this life as an orphan. You have an orphan mindset, an orphan mentality, an orphan heart. And God wanted to tell you today, no longer you are adopted. You are my son. You are my daughter. This is the love of God. If we're going to walk out love in this world, the greatness of love, be great with love. You have to receive the great love of a father. And he has adopted every single one of us. There are two days in every life about which we should never worry. Two days that should be kept free from fear and apprehension. One of them is yesterday. Mistakes? Oh, yeah. Faults? Plenty. Blunders and pain? Ah. But that day is gone forever. All the money in the world cannot bring it back. Yesterday is over. For, for heaven's sake, bury it. And don't drag it into a new year. So you blew it. Join the crowd. So you made some bad decisions. Congratulations. You're human after all. But great is his faithfulness. So the other day is tomorrow with its possible adversities, its burdens, its possible poor performance. Tomorrow is beyond our control. When it gets here, it becomes one day that we do have, and it's called today. With the Lord's help, I can be the person I should be today. And with the Lord's help, I can accomplish the things he wants me to accomplish today because great is his faithfulness. And that's the way to start every day. Not thinking about your blunders yesterday or that you might do it again, but think about his faithfulness. You can be and do what he wants you to be and what he wants you to do this day if you give yourself to that idea. I had just uh, come to the final week of my high school career and was 17 years of age and was notified that I had received a scholarship in music to Washington State University. One that I desperately needed because of my father's passing five, six years earlier with no support for college. No one in my family had ever graduated with a degree from college before then. So I felt it was a God thing. When I walked across the stage at the University of Puget Sound on June the 5th, 1951, they not only handed me my diploma, but they handed me a scholarship to Washington State University. And I was really happy. I had it for one month when on a Sunday night, kneeling in prayer after my pastor's sermon in my home church, just praying like we always did on Sunday night, I heard in my spirit a voice, and that voice said, Glenn, give up the scholarship. Go to Bible college and study for the ministry. I opened my eyes to see what deacon's kid that was for. Surely wasn't for me, and I didn't see anybody. 
closed my eyes again, went back to prayer, and boy, just like that again, Glenn, give up the scholarship, go to Bible college, study for the ministry. And at that moment, there was a hand on my shoulder. It was the pastor's wife who had been playing the piano nearby. And she whispered in my ear, Glenn, whatever God is saying to you, say yes. That wasn't fair. I didn't even have a choice at that point, did I? Hardly. She went back to the piano and I opened my mouth and I scared everybody within six rows. I said, yes! I just felt I had to because it was like chains on me. I needed to break those chains and trust him for his faithfulness. And a few weeks later, I'm sitting on the platform of my church right over in this area with my trumpet playing in the church band when the pastor called me to the pulpit. I thought, oh my, what have I done now? I thought maybe I blew a note in the wrong place or something, but he handed me an envelope and he said, the board of this church has met and we have decided to start a scholarship program for deserving young people who have their eye on ministry. And I'm happy to tell you, you are the first recipient of this scholarship program. He didn't say how much. That's all he said. I went back and sat down waiting for prayer so I could open the envelope and see what was in there. Because the Bible says, watch and pray. And I could do that while they were praying with their eyes shut. And so when I peeked in there while everybody was praying, I had me a little camp meeting because the exact amount was indicated in that envelope that I had turned down from the university. Exact amount. I love the story of my grandfather telling, as he just did, uh, how he gave up a scholarship to follow a call in his life for Bible college. But man, as I listened to that, all I could think of was love. That God sometimes asks us to do things that don't make sense. But he's doing it knowing that it's going to be hard for us, but also because he sees the end result. My grandfather lived an amazing life. Why? Because he walked in obedience. And the love of God pointed him in the right direction. Some of you want to be great. I think all of us want to be great. And yet until you begin to understand that the love of God will never lead you astray, the love of God has the best intentions for you, the love of God is always going to bring you to what's best for your life. Until you begin to acknowledge that and see that, you may continue to pursue what you think is best. And I want to tell you, the love of our God is one that will ask you to step out and do things that are uncomfortable. The love of our God is something that will say, hey, you may not see the end result. You may not understand. This may be hard for you to hear, but I need you to go in this direction. And I cannot encourage you enough to follow that guidance, follow that direction. Why? Because it's the love of God that is leading you and guiding you. Receive that, accept that today. I I heard someone say about my grandfather that he was a man that was blessed a man that to many was a hero, a man that to many set an amazing example, lived an incredible life. But what I realized and what they said about him was the reason that all these people look up to him is because he was a man 
that had convictions. That he read this and he said, this is absolute truth. And in a world that is saying there is no absolute truth, that sees this as a list of suggestions, um, as a book of just suggestions, like, oh, just try it. It might help, you know, elevate your life. It might give you some good life tips. No, he saw it as a convicting thing that said, no, these are God's commands. I'm going to follow these no matter what. And that is what launched his life to be the life that it was, to bless so many in the same way. God's love was so powerful that he gave us this to give us a direction for our life. I said this at the beginning to you, church. To see how great you can be, you must first acknowledge that Jesus is truly the only great one. I think a lot of us are living this life and we think we're the hero of this story. And I wanted to challenge you in this because I think God wants us to be great. And I know you want to be great, but I want to tell you, Jesus is the hero of this story. Jesus is the hero in your story. But you know what's incredible about Jesus as the hero? Is he actually says, but you have a part to play in this story. I'm going to use you to make me known in this world. He's the hero, but he asks us to play a part in this. When we acknowledge that, there is something that changes in how we live in this world. And there's a greatness that comes. I was reading in Jeremiah chapter 2 the other day, verse 32. And I heard the pain in God's voice when he spoke to Jeremiah, his prophet, and then to Israel through Jeremiah. And this is what he said. My people have forgotten me days without number. What a tragedy that would be. And I hope you can hear the pain in God's voice as he says it to us today. My people have forgotten me days without number. Let's elevate him. He wants to come into every life because he died for the whole world. And he wants to save every sinner. He wants to be a part of every person's existence, no matter what they've done in the past. No matter how they feel about themselves today, he wants to be great in saving them and bringing them into fellowship with himself. Now, the danger of the passing of time is one of the things I have watched in ministry very carefully. People who have said to me, well, I plan to become a Christian, but not now. There will be a better time than, than now. I have seen them grip the back of the pews, refusing to respond to what the Holy Spirit is encouraging them to do in a service just like this. The Bible speaks to time. David said in Psalm 89, 47, how short time is. Ecclesiastes 3, 2 says, there is a time to be born and a time to die. Acts 24:25 contains the words of Felix, the governor of Caesarea. When Paul stood before him accused of being a plague and a creator of dissension. In that meeting, 
Paul gave his testimony of conversion to Christ, to Felix, the governor. Felix was obviously moved by the testimony of Paul, his conversion on the road to Damascus when that light from heaven smote him from his beast. And he cried from the dust of the road, Lord, what will you have me to do? He became a new creature in Christ instantly when he responded to the appeal of Jesus. Felix, in responding to the testimony of Paul, said, Go away for now, when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I have searched the scriptures and I never have found Felix again in the scriptures. He did not find that convenient time. He did not call for Paul, nor did he call on the name of the Lord. And how sad that is when you think of how close he was to the kingdom of God. You know, as we just saw that last little clip from my grandfather, I was challenged and encouraged with this idea that we only have one chance. We only have one life to live. This is it. And I just want to say to you, like, I am the result of people who've gone before me. Like, I'm living a legacy that my grandfather started and my father continued. You see, when I think of greatness, I think of my dad. I think of my grandfather, but I also think of my father. My dad has never been a lead pastor, a senior pastor, but he's always served um, in, in associate roles in churches, executive roles in churches. I remember watching my dad as a junior higher, elementary, junior high, high schooler. And anywhere we went, my dad would pick up trash. And I would always say to my dad, like, what are you doing? We'd be out at a park, he'd pick up trash. We'd be walking across the parking lot of a store, he'd pick up trash. We'd be at the church building and we're, you know, in the back lot and he's picking up trash. And I'd always be like, dad, why do you always do that? And he would always just look at me and say, Caleb, we have to do things with excellence. Caleb, no one else is going to pick this trash up. And that example of servanthood, the heart of a servant, the heart of a father, that's the heart of our God. A God that served us so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ. The Bible actually says that he humbled himself unto a servant. God became a baby. He humbled himself unto a servant. Why? So that you and I could be saved. And my grandfather just shared this scripture where Felix says, oh, come back to me, Paul. I want to hear more about this. But he never is saved. And I think there's somebody watching this right now. And you needed to hear that there's a Father in heaven that loves you. There's a Father in heaven that died for you. There's a Father in heaven that has adopted you as his child, wants to adopt you as his child, But all you have to do is confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved. So church, I want to ask you, if you're out there and you're a believer, that you would be praying. If you don't know Jesus, this is your moment. This is your opportunity to respond. 
don't let this moment go by. Don't let this time go by. We don't know. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. So I want to ask you that right now you would receive Jesus. You would become adopted as a son of God, a daughter of God. You would walk into this place and say, I now have a father, a heavenly father that loves me. You would step into that life that God has for you. This is the greatest life. I'm telling you right now. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and life to the fullest. What does it mean? He sent and he came so that we could have a great life. Not a perfect life. Not a life without challenges. But a great life. Why? Because with Jesus, everything is better. Everything is greater. And so today I want to ask you, church, that you would embrace, you would accept the the great God, the great Savior, Jesus. Acknowledge how great he is and accept him as your Savior. If you don't know him, this is your moment. I want to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I confess that you are the Savior, that you came and you died for me. I believe in my heart that you rose again, and I ask that you would come into my life. You would change me and make me new. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Man, if you just prayed that prayer, we are rejoicing with you. Uh, The Bible says that when one name is written in the book of life, the angels in heaven rejoice. We're rejoicing. Click the link below. We would love to connect with you, to help you on this faith journey. But I want to talk to the rest of you right now. Uh, Church, all of you out there, I want to say this to you. God wants you to be great. He wants you to carry greatness with you wherever you go. But it has to start with you acknowledging that he is the great one. That you remember and look at the greatness of our Savior. Uh, His great kindness His great power and His great love. When you acknowledge that, you can walk out in a greater way the purposes and the plans that He has for your life. So hey, I want to thank you guys for watching this sermon. Um, A tag team with me and my grandfather. It was a blessing to be able to preach with him once again. I actually tag team with him on a couple occasions in person. Um, But this was really cool and an amazing opportunity for us. I hope that the Lord spoke to you, and I want to challenge you out there that you would carry out and begin. If you don't have a legacy, you would begin a legacy today, a legacy of greatness, and greatness is rooted in the person of Jesus. If you have a legacy like me, continue it, rooted and planted on the person and the saviorship of Jesus Christ. It is only through him that we walk out this great life he's called us to walk out. We love you, church. We're praying for you. Let's go out from this place and be great. God bless you guys. This word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.